You're listening to The Final Call with Chelsea Mendelson and Anthony Perrell. What's going on, y'all? After a quick hiatus, we are back in the building. Welcome back to The Final Call uh, with your girl Chelsea Mendelson alongside Anthony Ferrero, the man, the myth, the legend who has been sick which is why we've sort of pushed this off for a little bit. The man got sick again. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to fight myself. I hate that I'm sick again. I've been sick for an extended period of time, twice now since Thanksgiving. I absolutely mm-hmm. hate it. So that's fine. But, but he's still breathing. He's still with us. So we're recording. Uh, we mostly have basketball things to talk about. A lot has happened in the NBA since we last spoke. Um, but we're going to start with just a couple little baseball things, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the NBA. Anthony, if you would like to take it away. Yeah, let's do it. So, starting off, Chelsea, the Dodgers, they're still spending money. If you believe it or not, there are still people that they want. Teoscar Hernandez is an outfielder. He's going to play one of the corners. Uh, but he decided to sign with the Dodgers on a one-year deal worth $23.5 million, which reportedly is much higher than other teams were willing to give him. But he decided, hey, um, let me go win a ring with the Dodgers. I'm going to get paid a lot of money while I do it. Let me go do it. Uh, he had a little bit of a down year last year. But it's going to be in a different ballpark. They think the ballpark was a big reason why his home ballpark in Seattle isn't great for hitters. It's more of a pitcher's park. So to be able to go to a different ballpark should help him. So that's another big deal to the Dodgers getting even stronger, which obviously they've done all offseason, as we've talked about on here. Um, and second, there was a Big trade that went down. I say big trade. It's sort of in quotation marks because at least it has name value. The Giants traded with the Mariners. The Giants get Robbie Ray, and they sent to the Mariners Mitch Haniger and Anthony Discalfani. So the Giants get Robbie Ray, who was a former Diamondback, if you recognize the name, way back in, I believe, 2017 is when he ended up leaving, 2018 maybe. Uh, that, that was his best year, I believe. Um, but uh, former D-back ends up going to the Blue Jays, then the Mariners, and now back to the Giants through the trade. Um, he's a really good starting pitcher, lefty. Um, he's a Cy Young Award winner. He was fantastic, except he had a massive injury and missed this entire year. He's actually going to miss part of this year, I believe, as well. But if the Giants can get him back to what he was, um, then they get a really good pitcher out of this. Meanwhile, going back the other way is Mitch Haniger, who was a Seattle Mariner, signed with the Giants in free agency. He goes back to Seattle. And Anthony Discalfani is another starting pitcher who is good. Um, he's going to be on an expiring deal. So um, Robbie Ray is not on an expiring deal. So you get some money cleared up after this coming year. That helps you a little bit, I guess, if you're Seattle. Um, but, yeah, just kind of a big name gets dealt. Uh, another big name real fast, Chris Sale, goes from the Red Sox, really big. Um, Cy Young caliber pitcher, 
three, four years ago. But the Red Sox trade him to Atlanta. Atlanta loves these retool projects. I'm sure he's going to be great for them. Vaughn Grissom, who's a high-level prospect, goes back to Boston. He's going to be in the middle infield. He's probably going to play well. They need him. So, yeah, just quick wrap-up of the offseason of baseball. That's what we got going. Yeah, I feel like the baseball offseason, just because baseball is one of those leagues that just has, like, I mean, the NFL is kind of the same way. It just has, like, a lot more players than a lot of other leagues. So I feel like a lot of people lose track of what's going on. Yes. Um, I think the one that caught my eye the most was Teoscar Hernandez going to the Dodgers because, like, really, the Dodgers need more, like, household names on that team. Really? Really? Like, how, how many extra wins do y'all really need? Um, but I'm sure Dodgers fans are hyped up. But as a fan of a team that has to face the Dodgers, I'm not not a fan. But, you know, go get that bag, Teoscar. You know what? Do your thing, bro. Um, okay, we're going to head to the NBA. The one of the main topics of our last podcast was how hot garbage the Pistons have been. So it's uh, I think it's fitting to open this discussion with them. Um, they won a game. <laughs> wow. Good job, Detroit. So Golf proud claps. of you. So Golf proud claps of you. All around. They're not the Detroit team that anyone wants to watch. Okay, the Lions, they won today over LA, that's the Detroit team you got to be watching out for right now. The Pistons, if they come over across your TV screen or your phone screen, you're skipping. You're skipping. You're hitting You're hitting next channel. You're swiping, whatever it happens to be. Um, but they did make a trade, yay, with the Wizards of all teams. Um, I think the most, to me, the most notable two names involved in this trade are Danilo Gallinari and uh, Marvin Bagley. And then there was picks involved, too. Um, you and I were talking about it before the podcast. It's really, like, not a big deal. It's sort of just contract movement and stuff like that. But um, I think it's still significant that they're making moves right now to try to free up some space so that they can be less hot garbage a year from now. So shout out to Detroit for that. The Wizards have just been making all kinds of trades in the last like six months or so. So it's not, I guess it's not entirely surprising that they would be the team involved in this. They're kind of also lower tier team, but um, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I saw it was between the Pistons and the Wizards. And I was like, ew, what, what are they trading between themselves? So I was like, that's, there's no, there's no intriguing part of that. But, um, you know, the big, you mentioned it. The big name that I first saw was Marvin Bagley. In my mind, it was Marvin Bagley went to Detroit to try and be something because he flamed out with the Kings. Can he be something in Detroit surrounded by other young guys? That's got to be a place where he can actually get playing time. And if the Pistons, who have three wins, give up on you, I don't think that's a good sign. That's why I, that's why in my mind I kind of disregarded the trade because you know, like you said, I think it's just moving money. Um, but the Wizards are going to try Marvin Bagley, um, and as far as the Pistons go, they get Gallinari and Mike Muscala. Um, those are solid veterans. Maybe they're trying to 
boost, get some veterans in there on a very young team to try and help them win more. I can see that angle. But both those guys are on expiry deals, so they're not going to be around for a whole lot of time. They could even be buyout candidates as we get toward closer to the end of the year. We'll kind of see what happens. Um, but yeah, I I didn't really think much of it. Yeah, and like I said, it's sort of just Detroit trying to clear up some um, contract space. Uh, Marvin Bagley was on, I think he's supposed to make like $12.5 million next year. Um, they don't want that on a team that's rebuilding, on a team that's almost certainly going to have a lottery pick unless they traded that pick, and I didn't see it. I don't think they did. I think they still have that pick. Um, if they don't have that pick, where is it? Like, what did they get for that? But anyway, um, I really like Danilo Gallinari. I'm sorry that he went from poverty franchise to poverty franchise, though, because um, they are the bottom two teams in the East, um, at least when the trade happens, so I'm assuming that's still the case. Uh, so, yeah, not that exciting. Still notable, still some relatively big names. It's not going to make a difference in the scheme of things. Like, when we talk about trades, usually, like, a trade that is, like, you know, KD to the Suns caliber, like, this is changing the entire league, like, the landscape of the league, and that's not at all. <laughs> Um, Jordan Poole and Marvin Bagley might be sometimes fun to watch. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, another guy that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast is, uh, Draymond Green. Draymond, uh, he punched a Suns player in the face. He punched Nurkic in the face and has not played a game since then. But he is now according to Woj and some other sources, on track to make a return, which is a huge deal for a Warriors team that is sort of just middling right now. Um, they could use Draymond back on the court, um, and he was saying how he regrets it, how I think he said the phrase therapy has been therapeutic, which is like, wow, we're really picking some some big words, some just great adjectives, Draymond. Um, I don't know if I'm really expecting the same. I'm expecting the same Draymond. I don't know if other people aren't. I don't know if he's not. I don't know if the organization isn't. I don't know if the league isn't. They think he's just all of a sudden turned a new leaf in the span of like a month. Um, I need to see it to believe it. I just really highly, highly doubt it. I know he said he was really going through it with this whole thing and which he, he probably was. I mean, he, he's a basketball player through and through. So to not be playing basketball is unfortunate, but is he actually going to be different? Is he not going to be throwing punches and being violent on the court every now and then? I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'd be shocked if things were that different when he comes back. Yeah. At this point, I need to see it to believe it. Ultimately, I, you know, I have hope that things are going to be better when you take this much time away. But the time he comes back, it's going to be 16 total games that he missed. But I think at this point, um, I'm hoping something changes. But I need to see an extended period of time where nothing happens before I believe, okay, we're back to normal. Everything's good. Yeah, and I don't know if that's – I don't know. 
really it's it's 50 50 to me like is he gonna be a saint definitely not is he gonna not be throwing punches maybe not maybe he'll start and be like "Ooh, that cost me a lot of money last time let me backtrack um but he at the at the end of the day he's a really important piece of this warriors team is he peak draymond anymore no but he is a fantastic veteran he's still a solid defender um he can give you some points when you need them um I mean, he was. We've said this before when we've talked about this. He, without him, I don't think the Warriors dynasty happens the way that it does. Correct. Um, yeah. So, you know, he he's a really important guy to the Warriors organization. So to have him back playing basketball is great. Is it going to look a lot different? Going to have to wait and see. Um. Yeah. So I think before we talk about a couple other things. The big news that came out, I think it was in the last week or so, is the NBA draft is moving to two nights. To me, it makes it makes no difference. I, I it's they're just trying to get more money and more views to me. Um I don't know. I, I don't ha- I don't really have any in-depth thoughts about this subject. I think if there's still 60 picks, why do we need two nights to do that? Like, I don't know. It seems very inefficient and it just seems like a money grab, which is how I kind of felt about the play in t- or not the play in tournament, the uh, in season tournament at times. But I don't know. What do you think about this? Because I've, I've heard mixed thoughts on social media. I just don't see, I don't, I don't know why people are up in arms about it. I don't think it's that big of a deal. So I am a I'm a big fan of drafts. That's like uh, I love the off season in sports, free agency trades draft. I love all that. So I normally watch the draft, and the NBA draft in particular is very weird because it was all in one night, and it would take forever to get through the second round. And a lot of those guys, granted, you may not be familiar with, and they're running through picks very quickly. But if we, through this situation where it's on two separate days, if I don't have to hear a Taco Bell commercial when Nikola Jokic is being drafted, then I think we're all better off as an NBA community. That's, yeah. And not have to go through that. So, um. I don't mind it. It, it I look, it is what it is. I'm for it. I like it. I think it'll be good overall. And like you said, more people are gonna watch it. I'm sure that's the case. That's true. Um, but this also was like many other sports where the draft is over multiple days. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're following how a lot of leagues do. I think most leagues, well, also most leagues have more uh rounds than just two so that's sort of my hesitation with it is like if they could fit two rounds in a day then like just get it over with um but at the same time yeah i think the best example of uh the draft not being like having room for improvement was nikola Jokic was a second round pick and there was in fact a taco bell commercial happening when he was drafted and when his name popped up on the screen so if we can televise all 60 picks, if that's the intention, if that's what's actually going to happen, that's great. 
Um, if there's still picks that are happening during a commercial break, um, I don't see the difference in having one day or two. But I don't, again, I don't think it's that important. Like, it's going to get them more viewership. It's going to get them more money. It's going to give them more commercial space. Okay, whatever. That's probably the main thing that it does. If they actually end up televising all 60 picks, that's cool. I would appreciate that. <laughs> so we don't have, like you said, another Nikola Jokic moment. Um, a guy that we've sort of avoided, I would say, talking about on this podcast um, is John Morant. Um, you and I had discussed it when the players are in legal trouble. We don't feel like giving them a spotlight when they're making clearly poor decisions. Um, but he came back after his suspension. Um, and pretty soon after that, got injured, needed surgery, and is now out for the season. Um, Memphis cannot catch a break. All they have had all season long is injury trouble. And this is not a team that you look at the roster and you're like, wow, that team is really bad. Not at all. They have some really solid players. I mean, they went out and got Marcus Smart over the summer. They have Derrick Rose. They had John Morant. Um, and so to see them struggling is honestly kind of sad, especially when they were a team that was, quote, fine in the West not that long ago. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're 13th in the Western Conference right now. And in case you're not familiar with the NBA, there's 15 teams in each conference. So they're they're not doing so hot. Um, and I think that's really the nail in the coffin for their season. Um, and I think they just got to play it out and maybe get a good draft pick. And that's really all you can ask for if you are a Memphis fan right now. But really tough break. As much as I love to hate on him, John Morant is a very fun player to watch. Probably one of the most fun players to watch that has entered the league in a long time. Um, and also his shoes are fire. I don't care. They're, they're sick. I've seen a lot in person lately. Uh, and they're just, they're tough. But uh, won't be seeing them on his feet on the court for a while. So that is a very tough break for the Grizzlies. Yeah, and it's interesting because the Grizzlies have been bitten by the injury bug a lot this season. Steven Adams had a big injury. He's been out. Um, John Morant was out for the suspension, now out with an injury. Uh, Marcus Smart, who they got, you mentioned, he's been out. He's out now for a while. And today I saw Desmond Bain, another one of their big guys. He's now out for, I believe, four to six weeks, at least with an injury. So it's just been a lot of guys getting injured. You feel bad for that team. You mentioned it. They have so much talent. I hate to see guys getting injured. Like injuries suck, period. End of story. And so to see this amount of guys get injured, it it does really, it's really unfortunate. And before all of this like drama that has surrounded John Morant's life, which again, I'm not going to get into it. And if you're interested in what I'm talking about, I'm sure it's one of the first things that comes up when you Google John Morant. Um, but before all of that, he was a guy that was just one of the best young players we've ever seen all around fantastic player. He can do everything for you offensively, defensively. He's explosive. He looked like prime Russell Westbrook at times. Like he was so, so talented and honestly on track to be like a future within the next couple of years, MVP caliber player. And he messed that up a little bit, but he comes back and like, okay, redemption time for the guy. 
and now he's out. So if there's redemption for the guy, we have to wait on that for quite some time. But as you talked about, yeah, <laughs> Memphis cannot catch a break right now. Um, they've had to sign guys out of the G League. Uh, they've had to do a lot to try to keep their roster up. It, you know, is like you said, not something that you want to see, even if you are the most avid Memphis Grizzly hater that has ever graced the earth. You don't like to see guys get injured ever in any sport at any level. And so it is really unfortunate um, to have him go down alongside all those other guys. I didn't hear about Desmond Bain. That sucks. Um, a guy we talked about, I don't think last episode, maybe two or three episodes ago, that you and I are very high on. And I was very, very sad. The same night that John Morant got injured, I think it was the same night. If not, it was the next day. Tyrese Halliburton goes down with an injury that's going to mean extended time missed for him. Um, on a, a guy that was making a solid all-star run, as we talked about in that episode when we gave our thoughts on who our all-star starters would be, we both said Tyrese Halliburton. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm heartbroken, honestly, that <laughs> he's out, um, so much for our all-star votes. Cause he won't be able to play. Yeah. It's, you know, this was weird. Cause it came, the injury came down the same day that John Morant's injury did. Um, so it was one of those where it was just a really weird day in the NBA for injuries. Um, but you hate to see it. The Pacers look very promising. Um, he has had an amazing year. Um, it just really is unfortunate to see another guy go down. Now, there is relief that it's nothing incredibly serious. Um, but he is going to be out for a number of weeks, um, which is difficult for the Pacers because you're trying to build momentum to go try and do something. And now that gets taken away from you because your star player is now missing time. Yeah, so, you know, get well soon to both of those guys. It is really, I mean, I I feel like the NBA this season and actually kind of just sports in general, the NFL too, just has been plagued with horrible injuries, season-ending injuries, team-altering, league-altering injuries. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is definitely one that's going to alter the landscape of the East. Uh, John Morant, his team was already pretty low in the bottom. He maybe could have got, maybe could have gotten them into the play-in, but I think even that is a stretch the, the where they're at in the standings right now. Um, but Tyrese Halliburton was really doing great things for the Pacers and the, if the Pacers are an organization that, Really, basically, my whole life, minus like the Paul George era a little bit, have been kind of not great. So they're one of those teams that, um, especially since they're not in the conference with the Suns, I on occasion like to root for. Um, so it really sucks. And Tyrese Halliburton is one of my favorite players right now. So, And also, he's just like a great personality player, too. Like, not even just on the court, off the court, great, seemingly great person. So, yeah, really hard to see that happen. Um Back to sort of trade-related things. Um, I would say big trade. Raptors trade OG Ananobi to the Knicks. Um, those were two teams that have I feel like have been in trade talks for 
um other other rumors for other players for a long time especially the raptors i felt like i heard about every player and their mama going to toronto this summer damian lillard most notably um and yeah eventually they make a move and they send og to the knicks and the knicks have a solid roster you know which is not something that we've consistently been able to say for again pretty much my whole lifetime so, uh, I don't know. It, it makes the East more interesting, especially when you get those trades that are an East team with an East team. And unlike the Wizards and the Pistons, this one has a lot more uh, effect, more impact on the entire league, especially, like I said, the Eastern Conference. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so the, the big piece is OG Ananobi going to the Knicks. Um, the Raptors are getting back R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. I believe they get a second round pick as well. Those are the big, the big pieces. There's some extra little stuff in there, but that's the big stuff. Um, I like it. I think the Knicks really sure up their starting rotation because once you hit the playoffs, you're gonna run eight guys out there, nine guys out there. So the Knicks trade um, from their strength, which I would argue is their depth to get a really solid lockdown defender, nice piece um, in OG Ananobi. And if you're the Raptors, you get a little bit younger. You get solid pieces in RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. I'm a big fan of Emmanuel Quickly, um, so I like that move. Um, and you you get players back that are closer to the age of Scotty Barnes, who's the guy that you're going to build around. OG's 26. Scotty's 24, Scotty Barnes is 24, um, and Barrett and Quickly are both younger. I believe Quickly is 24, um, and Barrett might be 23, I want to say. So these guys are younger along the timeline of Scotty Barnes, whereas OG was older, he was on an expiring deal. They probably weren't going to pay him. So this way, uh, the Knicks get someone um, that really shores up their lineup and makes it better. And then the Raptors get guys who are under contract, who are younger, um, that kind of fit their timeline better. And I imagine this opens up the window where Pascal Siakam is going to get traded um, by the trade deadline. Like his name is everywhere in rumors these days. So he's going to be the next to go. And they're going to really dive into a rebuild. But I don't think it's going to be a long rebuild. Because they have really good pieces. Um, I think they're just going to go with a little bit of a youth movement. So we'll see what they get. Um, I like this trade now. Um, but I think it will lead into a bigger Siakam trade. Um, and I think they get better pieces back for Siakam. So I'm excited to see what this leads into. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in the last, like, five, maybe even eight years, I haven't seen the Raptors make a move that I was like, what are you doing? Like, no. Like, I think that their front office is, when it comes to trades and signings and stuff, has been one of the best in the league for a long time. Yeah, and I, I think agree. this is Yeah, this is another trade that sets them up for the future. I think... When you look at what they've done in the last few years, I don't think this is a rebuild where you're like, shoot, all right, hit the reset. Like, not, I mean, not really. It's like, you know, oh, that didn't work because they had things that worked. They won a ring a few years ago um, with a 
pretty different looking roster, but you know, that doesn't matter. The organization, Toronto loves that team. I want Toronto to get a WNBA team so bad. And I know Toronto wants that so bad. And so I hope that that happens. Um, but before that happens, they have one basketball team and that is the Raptors. The Raptors have done great things for that organization. And I think that this trade is another one of those things. Um, I, I'm really, really intrigued to see what happens with Pascal Siakam because they he's a solid player. They can get a lot for him in return. And so I, I wonder, you know, what kind of rebuild they're going to plan out using him as a trade piece now that they've traded OG um, and gotten some great, solid young guys. Um, I think in a few years, you're going to look at the Raptors as one of the top teams in the league if they make the right moves starting now and they've started with this i think that's a great start they're seventh in the east right now so they're not even that bad or i'm sorry the knicks are seventh in the east right now the raptors let me look again <laughs> the raptors are 12th in the east so they're pretty low just outside of the play-in bubble um but on the other side of things like i said the knicks are seventh so they're in uh playoff mode right now um or into the play-in at the worst so you know they're a solid team they pick up another solid guy makes them even better um i think it's a win-win here for both organizations i don't think either is i don't think either made a mistake i don't i i love you know when people are like this team got fleeced they lost that trade i don't think there's that you can really say that for either one of these teams and those are my favorite kinds kinds of trades a win-win Two teams in the same conference are like, all right, you know what? That works for me. That works for you. Let's do it. And they did. And so I'm I'm just very interested to see what happens. Obviously, are the Knicks contending right now? No, definitely not. But are they contending in the next couple of years, maybe, with this roster? And maybe an extra piece eventually, however they get it? I think so. And I think it starts with this trade. I think it's just, it's really good for both teams. And since in the Eastern Conference, it doesn't impact me that much, so I can be happy about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, did you have any final thoughts on that? Um, no, I agree with you. I like this trade. Um, you know, I agree. I think it's – obviously, we'll in a couple of years, we'll kind of see where it goes. Uh, but right now, I think it's, it's good to call it a win-win. I see the direction both teams are trying to go when they make this trade. Right. And ultimately, I think that's the best thing. Because so many times you'll see a trade and you're like, what is Team X thinking? What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Um, but a trade like this, I could see where both teams are thinking. And it makes sense for both their directions. So, I, yeah, I like it. I think it's a good trade. Yeah, I have no problem with it, which I can't say about every trade. Um, going away from the Raptors for a minute, because we're going to talk more Raptors in a bit. Um, the Heat have extended Eric Spolstra, their head coach, their amazing head coach, their legendary head coach. Uh, eight years, $120 million. Get your bag, Eric Spolstra. Um, not a surprise. Needed to happen. Fantastic coach. Um, one of the best coaches in my lifetime, arguably one of the best coaches ever, has gotten a few rings for the Heat. And I just love his story. You know, he started from pretty much the very bottom of that organization worked his way up to head coach that does not happen um he's an anomaly he is amazing i love eric spolstra um no complaints zero complaints get your bag 
He deserves that bag. Good job to Miami for keeping him around for the foreseeable future. I mean, look at what Miami's done in the past couple of years, right? They built it on heat culture with Pat Riley, and then they just keep making deep runs. And the roster is clearly not one of the you know, top five rosters, not one of the best rosters in the East, but they keep finding guys off the scrap heap and turning them into something. Um, and they go on deep playoff runs routinely. And I think a big part of that is Eric Spolstra. So he's really continuing to lead them in a good direction. Obviously, you have Pat Riley. Um, he's a big name in that front office. But um, to have Eric Spolstra be a great coach, and he vibes well with a lot of people. I mean, he everything is is good. There was a little bit of a weird, weird vibes for the Heat last season, around midseason. Uh, but they cleaned it up and almost went on a very deep um, playoff run. So, you know, it was it was interesting to see him get his bag. But as you mentioned, definitely overdue. Uh, he deserves this for sure. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what the Heat can do as a result of it. Because now he's locked up. So now it's uh, now it's time to get the rest of the team settled in and get going. The Heat are another one of those organizations that, minus the whole Damian Lillard drama that happened over the summer, I think they almost entirely make good choices. I think they should have gotten Damian Lillard. But doesn't matter. It's in the past. I think that was the one thing I've really seen them do in recent my recent memory that I was like, guys, what are we doing here? Um they make solid decisions when it comes to trades, when it comes to free agency, especially. Um, they can. It feels like the last few years they've been able to get some of the highest name free agents like consistently. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is like the most notable. Uh, Kyle Lowry as well. Um, they make really, really good draft choices. Um, Jaime Hawkes, anyone? Like, I, I was, I've been high on that guy since he was in college a couple years ago. Uh, and they did an excellent job drafting him. He fits that culture perfectly. Um, but that's just another example of their decision-making. And a big part of that is Eric Spolstra. So why why would you want to go away from him ever? You don't. And that's why he's going to be in Miami for at least eight more years. Uh, just the absolute perfect thing to do right now when your team is, again, another one of those that's arguably not contending but could contend. Because we've already seen them do it multiple times. Make these crazy, like you said, deep playoff runs that no one expects from them. And then they go ahead and do it again and again and again. Um, and again, that's coaching. That's Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra is a coach that any team would be lucky to have as their head coach. And Miami's just lucky to have him locked down now. Um, another person who got extended for quite the bag is Kawhi Leonard extends with the Clippers three years, $152 million. Um, for any of you that aren't good at math, that's a, that's over 50 mil a year um, for a guy on a team. That's like been another one of those. That's just been middling despite having a really good roster. Um, obviously they added James Harden that changed things, but historically have not done a ton, um, but they, keep Kawhi around and am I the only one that was sort of surprised that he signed that extension 
Well, if you're a Kawhi Leonard, that's a no-brainer. Um, and so far this season, he's stayed healthy. That was his big issue was health. So far this season, he has been healthy. And if you're the Clippers, you're building a new stadium. You want to make sure you have star power to carry over into that new stadium to put butts in seats. And if you and as, since you added, I know we talked about the James Harden trade, and we were like, "What are the Clippers doing?" Well, guess what? It was a great move because I believe they are the four seed, maybe the five seed now. Um, in the West, they're really up there. They've turned it around. They've played really well. So, um, to kind of see what they've become, um, I think it's something that if you're the Clippers, you want to keep around. I know that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are kind of on these almost expiring deals. They have a player option each. Um, but to get there and assign them extensions to keep them around when going into the new stadium, I think that's big. And now that Kawhi Leonard is done, the big rumor is that Paul George extension is on the horizon. Um, then obviously you have, you have James Harden in the mix. You have Russell Westbrook coming off the bench there. So... Yeah, the Clippers are looking good. And so this is a nice move to lock up, you know, what are the big pieces of what they're doing? Because you don't own any of your draft picks, you can't just give up on what's happening. You have to continue to do something good or bad. And this season, it's actually turned out to work really well for them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they're contending for a Western Conference championship for sure. Uh, they're Like you said, they're the fourth seed right now. Um, and I think that they are, I mean, they have built a really, if you're just looking at the names or really incredible roster, it's just a matter of really getting in gear, really getting things going, especially by the time the playoffs come around, because that has been something, again, another one of those teams my whole life that has fallen short constantly. You know, you're looking at like the Lob City Clippers that get so close yet so far to getting a ring. Um, and that's kind of what this team has done with Kawhi Leonard as well. Um, and, and Paul George, obviously, and now James Harden's there and Russell Westbrook is there and he was great for them in the playoffs last year too. Um, I don't know. They are sort of a big question mark. Like it could go either way, but I think it's a very good thing for them to sign Kawhi. Like you talked about from a fan perspective, but also from a court player on the court perspective, he's finally healthy knock on wood for the time being. So yeah, sign the guy, keep him in town. Um, I think the last thing we're going to talk about NBA wise is um, the officiating has not been good. I said that last season, this season it's worse. And the Raptors head coach who I desperately don't want to butcher his name went on a very interesting, valid rant, got a big old fine for it after uh, the Lakers game. Uh, Anthony, did you think what he said was valid? First of all, I just want to say this. I'm a big fan of epic sports rants. That is what that is. I absolutely love it. This rant may have been my favorite. I absolutely love it. And his it's accent, there. it's up there. His accent makes it so much better. He's like, a legend, I, honestly. If you, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not went and found it go listen to it it is amazing um i'm sick so i cannot imitate it very well but at the beginning when he says this is bs um this is shame 
That is that is by far that is one that is one of just the best. That's a solid sports quote of all time. It was hilarious. Um anyway, um it was valid though. It was valid though. Exactly. He had a point. Yeah. Um, The free throw disparity in that game was 23 to 2, not in favor of the Raptors. Uh, so um, you know, he's got a he's got a point, and I understand part of it comes down to you know, the nature of the two teams that they're playing. Anthony Davis, you know, for the Lakers, obviously he's a big man who's going to go in and try and draw a foul, okay? I did not watch the game, um, so I cannot speak to deserved fouls or if they were not deserved or how that happens. But anytime you see a disparity that wide, you kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit and say, oh, uh, what happened in that game? So, um I'm sure something, you know, it was a little a little fishy going on there. Um, but I loved uh the rants. I'm a big fan of of sports rants in general. Uh plus uh you know me if you listen to the podcast, um I have an issue with the fishing. So, you know, those go hand in hand. So um obviously I think officiating can be better and should be better. Um, but it's just really rough to see. Although it was an epic sports rant, um, yeah, officiating. I just think it's got to be better. Darko Rajakovic, there you go. Um, his main point was, th- especially like you mentioned, the fourth quarter uh, was really bad. Um, and specifically, I went back and I watched the fouls that were called. And also in his rant, he said this. His main issue was his star guy was driving into the paint, trying to draw a foul, and he would get called for the foul or there would be no foul called. Um, and that happened multiple times. And a player that – and he he said it in the uh, rant. I think he's talking about Scotty Barnes. He was saying he is like – the future face of the league, which I don't know about all that, but he's an all-star caliber player, which he said in the rant, which I do agree with. Um, And he's, yeah, he's not the type of player that's not going to draw fouls, at least how they should be on paper. The refs were not calling them. They were calling everything for LA. There was multiple late calls, which is what I had the most issue with rewatching that. Um, There was multiple times that the play, like, the ball was shot, it missed, rebound, then the whistle was blown. I no, hate no, no, those. No. I hate those. So <laughs> no, you, you got to do it right when it happens. You can't be like, oh, that didn't go in. I should blow my whistle. Yeah, That's no, what I hate that. Like. Oh, I hate that and, so much. And That's so, one of my pet peeves. Yeah, and so that was what I had the most issue with. Um, and also, yeah, Scotty Barnes not drawing blocking fouls. Give me a break. Like, it's Scotty Barnes. That's what he does. So, yeah, I agree with him at the end of the day. Very valid rant. Very valid rant. Um, and legendary also. 10 out of 10. He got fined $25,000, but it was so worth it. Yeah. Hashtag it worth it. It needed to be said. Oh, yeah. He'll be oh, fine. He'll be fine. The rant um, was amazing. And like I said, his accent makes it, makes mm-hmm. it. It's just a million times better. It is amazing. He's awesome. That was fantastic. I hope the rappers get more foul calls. Because mm-hmm. uh, not only was the rant worth it, but I hope the money, the hit to the checkbook, uh, I hope uh, I hope that turns into something for them. And he's a good coach, too. And, like, he's Serbian, 
And I feel like Serbia is taking over the NBA. Uh, and he's a great example of that. So shout out to him, man. Darko Rajakovic. I hope that's correct. It feels correct. Feels right. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap things up here for our local fans, for our for our fans that bleed purple, GCU basketball, bro. It's got me hyped up right now. Um, both the men's and the women's side have me hyped right now, especially men. I just they just got another win last night. So did the women's team. And I opened my phone just now and there's a guy, let me double check who it was, but there is, uh, John Fanta has GCU at his 25 spot. GCU is about to be, is on the outside looking in at being ranked, uh, which is huge. It's insane. It's unthinkable for a school that I would, I would say most of the country has never heard of until now. And maybe they still haven't, um, it's just, it's awesome. Uh, and also, I've met most of the guys on the team. Great guys. Fantastic coach. Not just on the court, off the court. One of my favorite humans that I have met doing any of my jobs. Just a dope person. Shout out to Bryce Drew. Um, but they're being led by amazing play right now from guys like Gabe McLaughlin, like Colin Moore, um, Ray Harrison, because he's Ray Harrison. If you're not watching this team, you are missing out on some fantastic basketball. And the same goes for the women's team. Also a great coach. Also a great team personality-wise and talent-wise. And they and the women's team specifically is out three of their best players to injury. They haven't had Sydney Palma all season. Tierra Brown is out right now. Trinity San Antonio is out right now. And they are still kicking butt. Both of them on like five or six, maybe even seven game win streaks. Like just so uh the uh women's team is six. Yeah. The men's team is 13. 13, yeah. Because they lost to South Carolina really early on. That's right. Because they played them in the the Colangelo classic, classic right? Yeah. At the uh -huh. footprint center. And they lost I, I can't remember what that score was, but they lost that game. And that is their only loss all season long. And that is not due to a not difficult schedule. The women's team also had a really difficult schedule and played really well in that. I think they only have three losses, maybe four, maybe not even that. I, I mean, both teams had some of their hardest schedules that they've had. Um, especially in this era, both of them got new head coaches at the same time. So they, in the last four or five years, this is by far the hardest schedule. GCU most notably beating San Diego State, who was just in the, this is on the men's side, excuse me, uh, who was just in the final four, was just in the championship of college basketball, and they beat them. That was like their most notable win so far, but they have been on a roll since then. Um, the women's basketball team had a really close loss to Oregon, but they beat Arizona State. They beat St. Mary's, which was the one that was national, uh, like all over Sports Center and everything like that, um, which we talked about on the podcast a few episodes ago when it happened. Um, but yeah, now is the best time to be a college basketball fan, especially if you're from the city of Phoenix, and most definitely if you have any relation to GCU. 
now is the time to hop on the bandwagon because both of those teams are destined for greatness and they're showing it right now. And at the end of the day, all you got to do is keep winning. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Don't look at it, the rankings to see where you are. None of that. Just win. That's all you got to do. Eventually, people are going to catch on and people are going to see that and you'll be rewarded accordingly. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're ranked or whatever you are. Just go out there, play hard, play together and win. And that's that's what has happened so far. You love to see it, especially because us, we're alumni. You know, obviously we love to see it. Uh, but, you know, Chelsea, you mentioned it. They've been playing great. They've played together as a team. On the men's side, Tyon Grant Foster, what a fine and a legend he has been for them. He's been massive. So this team, both men's and women's, have had great years. Hopefully that continues that with WAC play as they should be the favorites in the WAC. I feel comfortable saying that for both sides. So hopefully they can see that through, play together, play for each other, and, yeah, just keep keep getting some Ws. Yeah, I was actually just on the podcast for – well, actually it was live stream for uh, WAC Hoops Nation, which if you don't know who that is, give them a follow if you're at all interested in mid-major basketball, especially in the WAC. Uh, Kyle runs that account. He makes great content articles and the like uh, for that sort of thing, especially, uh, yeah, basketball in the WAC. Um, but I he was talking about how uh, – Basically, unless hell freezes over, GCU has locked down the first place pretty much in both the men's and the women's side. The women's side has to fight CBU a little bit, California Baptist, which is one of their rivals who have also been really, really solid. Um, It's basically them back and forth. CBU, unfortunately, just lost their best player in Grace Schmidt, the true sophomore. Uh, Season-ending injury, she's out. Um, there's been some other season-ending injuries and instances to some other of the top teams, uh, Southern Utah being one of them who has been having the injury bug bite them. Um, so because of that, it looks like GCU has locked up the one spot on the women's side, but I think they the role that they're on right now, I think they would have anyway. Um, they're going to play CBU in the middle of February, I believe, is the first time they play them, and then CBU will come back to GCU for the GCU women's uh, senior night, um, which I guess is like at the end of February or the beginning of March. I don't remember, but um, yeah, so that's on the women's side. I think your top teams are definitely GCU, CBU, UTA coming up behind them. They've been playing really well. Um, Abilene Christian as well. That's like my top four. Those are my power rankings right now. Um, And their wins definitely prove that. Um, And then, yeah, on the men's side, it's GCU and then just the t- other teams. Like, I don't want to be disrespectful, but the win streak that GCU is on right now, they would have to lose so many games to lose the one spot. That was what Kyle was saying specifically, is like, especially like right now, now that we we're into whack play a little bit, they've gotten a couple of wins. There's almost zero chance of them not winning the regular season in the WAC. Anything can happen in the WAC tournament. GCU went on a crazy run on the men's side last season. I think they were the fifth seed. And so they had to win 
an extra game. They had to play an extra day, which is never good. And they won. And then they didn't even lose that bad to Gonzaga in the first round. Gonzaga. So that was already a team that we knew had so much potential. And all they did was get better in the offseason. So, yeah, GCU basketball. What more can you say? Yeah, it's a massive testament to the um, growth and development these teams have had. It's been great to watch over the past couple of years. And so to see it kind of cement itself as the way these teams are playing and what they're about is super awesome to see as alumni. And yeah, you know, Chelsea, you said it best. If you are, you know, from around the area or you're a fan of college basketball, this GCU team, both men and women, have a lot of stuff to like. And I think with that conversation and once again preaching, watch mid-major basketball, um, follow accounts like, like I said, uh, Whack Hoops Nation, also, Mid-Major Badness does a great job covering all of the mid-major teams. Um, they've been giving GCU some love because they have to. Um, but yeah, watch college basketball. Watch women's sports. I'm always going to say that because if you're not, you're missing out. Um, we could talk about it all day. Caitlin Clark is Caitlin Clark. You know, we, we could add that into the podcast, but she's not surprising anybody at this point. Like, for sure, lock down the one spot in the WNBA draft. Duh. Hello. Um, but yeah, other than that, thank you guys for listening and sticking with us through this as we continue season two um, of The Final Call. Uh, so not only follow those accounts that I mentioned, but also give us a follow. I'm at Chelsea underscore underscore mend. He's at Anthony Ferrero seven. Uh, follow also the podcast on X and Instagram at TFC underscore sports underscore pod. Keep listening. Keep ranking us five stars message us let us know what you want to hear let us know what you want us to talk about let us know if there's anybody you want us to interview or a game you would want us to play or you want our thoughts on something we're open to anything um right now we don't have a great schedule so i don't know when we're gonna see you next but we will see you very soon thank you guys so much for listening we'll catch you next time